listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today we're going to be dealing with this, and it is important because everything we've just dealt with, everything we've just gone through, quarantine, pandemic, all of that, and we're by no, by no means saying that that wasn't real or that the virus wasn't real or any of that stuff, not saying that. Um, was it blown out of proportion? Absolutely, yes. I mean, all you got to do is look at the CDC's recent uh, release of information that they had to drop the deaths of um, COVID-19 that only were COVID-19, not affected by any other extenuating circumstances, down to under 10,000 Americans, 9,700 and something Americans died from COVID alone. They had to drop it way down. So the, the actual blown out of the proportion factor? Yes. Was it real? Yes. Did people die? Absolutely. And, um, but one of the things that we're seeing is it was being used for political purposes, which we get suspected all along, but we were forced out of our churches. No question. We were people that continued to meet in their churches were fined, were jailed, were arrested. Um, you understand? So there is a persecution factor going on. They say, well, no, it's not persecution because look, uh, everybody's being asked to shut down. But look at this. When you've got restaurants open, when you've got liquor stores open, when you've got Walmart open, when you've got Home Depot open, when everything else is open and churches are still being told to stay closed and to not sing in some states, it's, it's now become straight up persecution. You can't argue that. So the question is, why is it important? If we know that part of what Christ intended the church to be is gathering together, that is that is a main part of Christianity for anybody that thought it was some sort of a optional thing. Thanks, Justin. Uh, anybody that thought meeting together was some sort of optional thing in Christianity obviously has number one, never read the word. And number two has never looked at the example of Christ and the apostles in the early church as given to us by God, but it is not some optional thing meeting together is a command given us, given to us in the word of God. We're to meet together. That's a command, not an option. So we're going to discuss today, other than the command that we are supposed to meet here, here's the question. Why? What's the purpose of meeting together in person? Why, why does it matter? Cause you know, you hear people say that, well, the building's not the church. We're the church. If I hear one more person say, well, the building's not the church. The people are the church. Like we don't know that, but it's funny to me. In fact, it's, it's so funny to me that I'm going to quote my cousin who sent out a very apropos tweet today that, uh, I totally agree with a hundred million percent. My cousin, Jonathan Shuttlesworth, um, who's currently in the witness protection program. Um, this is what my cousin tweeted and I retweeted it because I totally agree. Let me pull it up on my phone and read it to you verbatim. Listen to this. <laughs> it's been funny listening to all the churches who in March, April, June, 
taught that meeting together isn't important. Online is the same or even better. Now, launching a four-week series on why it's important to meet together. (laughs) Hashtag brain dead. And I totally agree. Why do I totally agree? Because all of those churches who talked about the fact that it's not important whether we meet together in a building, two things they just did. Number one, they negated a command of the Holy Spirit. And number two, they negated the actual example of Christ, the apostles in the early church given to us in the Bible. Uh, there's a purpose we meet together. It's not arbitrary. It's, it's not meaningless. It, it has meaning. That's what today's about. We're going to talk about why it's meaningful that you and I come together in the sense, well, the church, brother, the church is in the building. Well, here's the thing. And, and, and let me, let me address one other thing before we go into this. I'm only kidding about the witness protection program. He's on vacation. Um, let me address one other thing. People, I had people say this to me. Now I, you saw it when I did the broadcast, I actually gave props to Johnny Mac, Dr. John MacArthur. I said, thank God for somebody that's willing to actually stand up and flout the government decree to stay out of church and kept their church open. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown did it. There's others across the country that did it. My uncles did it. Uh, you know, there were people that did it. You know, there was a remnant of people that stayed open, didn't close. But, um, then, you know, I said, I you know, one of the things that I mentioned was, isn't it sad that, you know, it took a, a Southern Baptist or a reformed pastor who doesn't even believe in the baptism of the Holy ghost, doesn't even believe in being filled with Holy ghost that stood up in boldness and kept the church open and was willing to go against the governmental uh, mandate. And then I get people that talk to me and here, here's what they say. Well, people think that only he's doing it, but there's people now, now this, now I want to say this because it's, this is said to me, there were people all through the state of California that were spirit filled, that were still meeting together outside and doing baptisms in the ocean. That's wonderful. And that is meeting together. I'm not saying that you need a brick and mortar building to meet together. Do I think it's all right if we meet um, together outdoors? Of course, we hold tent meetings. We hold outdoor crusades. Of course, I believe it's okay to gather together out of doors. It's not that we need brick and mortar to make it a church. However, that's the scriptural side. Here's the United States side. Since when did we get to the place where the government of the United States of America can dictate and define where and when we can meet as believers. Since when did we get to that place where the government can infringe upon our religious rights? It's not just something, that's why I'm making the point. It's not just something that we're, that we do, uh, you know, arbitrarily. It's not just something we think we should do. It's commanded for us to do it in the scripture. So when did we get to the place in the, and I'm talking to Americans now, I know it's different around the world. You don't have the constitution in other nations, but when did we get to the place where the government of the United States of America can dictate to believers how and when they can worship their God? What happened to the freedom of religion? Not infringing upon our rights. Do you realize and I'll cover it in the broadcast today. There are things we can't even do as Christians that we're commanded to do if we don't meet together. And I'm going to cover those. There's things we can't even do. So since when, and that's the, that's the U S right side, 
not the biblical side. I don't mind if we meet together outside. We do it all the time. We have outdoor meetings. We have tent meetings. We have things that we do outside. That's no problem. We're still gathering together, still coming together, but coming together is important. The reason I said that about uh, when somebody said to me, well, there's still Pentecostals. Great. I'm glad they're gathering. But why is the government allowed to tell us when we can go into our buildings and when we cannot? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's a violation of the Constitution. And, and I thank God for the pastors that stood up. Thank God for them. Willing to take fines, go to jail, be arrested, whatever. Thank God for them. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, Pastor Tim Shuttlesworth, Pastor John MacArthur, uh, all those across, all those across the nation that did it. Thank God for them. I don't have a church, so I was not able to do it, but thank God for the ones who did. I stand behind and support them a hundred million percent. Thank God for their boldness and their guts and their ability to stand on the word and stand firm. Thank God for them. Um, so let's deal with this five ways. And I'm not condemning. I I want you to understand something. I'm not condemning people that didn't stay open. What I'm saying is we have a precedent to set because remember this, it's a slippery slope. Yep. Pastor Brian Wright who's on my board. It's a slippery slope. You start allowing them to take your freedoms little by little, one by one. And then before you know it, you don't have freedom. You have a dictatorship. You have something that, you know, you have a communist government. It's little by little. You stand for your rights. By the way, Pastor Greg Bruce. Yeah, there were, I'm telling you, there were, there was people all over the country doing it and thank God for them. But let me tell you something. One of the reasons that we have the right to bear arms, if you don't know, it's not, it's not for hunting. (laughs) It's not for hunting. So, well, I got to hunt. It's not for hunting. The reason that we have the right to bear arms in this nation is so that the people can never be uh, ruled over by a tyrannical government that's taken all of the power from the people. That's why we have it. It's not so we can kill deer during deer season. The right to bear arms was specifically placed in the constitution so that we would not be overtaken by a, a strong government that wants to rule the people in a tyrannical way. It was ensuring that we would have the ability to stand up to that kind of uh, dictatorship. And then, you know, you know, people make fun of that today. They say, oh, you think that the government's go- you think the government's going to stand up? You think the government's going to give you a problem? And, and look, in our own lifetime, other governments of other nations have already done it. So if you think people are different because it's a different country, you don't understand human nature. It's human nature to take power. And that's why it's so vital. And that's why the religious liberty is so important. Religious liberty is so important. So we're going to deal with this today because it is important that we're together, that we're in church together. And I'm going to give you five reasons why. I hope you guys are ready. I hope you guys have a pen and paper, take some notes, mark some things in your Bible, and you'll know why this is so true. By the way, I don't think you'll find somebody who loves going to church more than I do, maybe as much as I do, but not more than I do. I love to go to church. I love to be in church. But can I tell you something? One thing I noticed about online church as much as I, and I love preaching and I love church and I love church services. I'm in like almost 300 of them a year. But let me tell you something. Even I, as a preacher, found it hard 
to engage in online church when we were during online church. I, even I found it hard. You know, I, we, I, it's not like I sat on my phone. What, no, we put it on the television. We put it on the big screen and we sat on our couch and even engaged. And there's stuff going on and things going on, people getting up to get drinks and people doing all And, and I, even I found it, I didn't feel the same. It was not the same as being in the house of God. And it's never going to be the same because it's not commanded for us to stay home. <laughs> people say, well, you know, brother, uh, in the early church, they, they, they met in homes. Yes, they gathered together in homes. They didn't each stay in their own home. They gathered together in homes. In fact, when Jesus, before he died, what about the man on the mat who was paralyzed? What did the Bible say? They were meeting in a home and there were so many people gathered in the home that it overflowed to the outside and there was no way for that man's friends to get him into the house. They weren't each staying in their own home and then Jesus giving a message at each home. No, they were all packing in to places that were available for worship. They were all packing it in. What does Acts chapter three say? Peter and John were on their way up to the temple at the hour of prayer. So apparently there was an hour of prayer daily where they all met together in the temple and prayed. It's been something from the scripture that we've seen modeled to us and commanded. So let me give you five ways, five ways that um, online church fails miserably. And these are biblical. Every one of them is biblical. Number one, because Christ expects us to gather, he promised to meet with us and manifest himself when we gather. Christ joins us and he manifests himself. Now, am I saying that uh, uh, Christ is not there when we're alone? Well, the Bible says we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Christ is on the throne. However, Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, and let's read verse 19 and 20. Listen to this. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it'll be done for them by my father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. There I am among them. So I want you to see this. Number one, the gathering is not only Christ's command, but he has a promise here that even if it's a minimum, you don't have to be a mega church for Christ to manifest his presence there. He said, if there's only two or three gathered together in my name, I will be there among them. And so, and as I'm going to show you, this does not mean stay home and expect, no, there's a command, which I'm going to go to uh, next. There's a command to gather together in numbers as a believer. You know, people are like, well, I got two or three just in my family. That's not what this is talking about. There is an actual Bible command for us to gather together. We'll get there next. But I want you to catch this. Christ expects to come and be a part of our gatherings and to manifest himself there. Amen. Let me take you real quickly to John 14, 21 and show you this because if we know that gathering together is a commandment, by the way, for those of you that say, well, Jesus never said it. Everything in this Bible is inspired by the Holy Ghost. Everything. Paul told Timothy that. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired 
by God. The original language breathed out by God. So any command we have in scripture came from God himself. Doesn't matter what book, what chapter, what verse. It's all from God. So you say, well, Jesus never told us. It doesn't matter. Because, but look at this. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him. Catch this. And I will manifest myself to him. Notice the stipulation that Jesus is making here. He's saying, it's only the people who have my commandments and obey them. They're the ones that are qualified for my manifestations. Catch that. So when people say, well, and there's people that did this before we weren't allowed to go to church. There's people that they weren't even faithful to church. They weren't even faithful to church. They weren't going when we could go. And people, it's funny to me, people want to be up in arms because, you know, we can't go to church. You didn't go faithfully when the church was open. But think about this. Jesus said, if you have my commandments and obey them, I will manifest myself to you. I'll reveal myself to you. So here's the key, right? The key is going to church is a command. And Christ said, I'll be there among you. And then number two, I'll manifest myself among you because you're obeying my commandments. Come on. The revelation of Christ, the manifestations of Christ, they take place when we obey his word and we can't stay away from church and refuse to obey his word and expect him to manifest himself. That's why I know this hyper grace message is a demonic message where people say, well, you know, uh, brother, uh, I'm under grace. I don't have to be faithful to church. That sounds like law to me. Oh, it does. It sounds like law to you. Really obeying the Bible sounds like law in the new Testament. (laughs) We're not asking you to sacrifice bulls and goats. We're not asking you not to trim the sides of your beard and the hair on the temple of your head. We're asking you to go to church. (laughs) It's like, give me a break. Sounds like law to me, brother. Sounds like law. I'm under grace and people. That's how, you know, the fruit of a doctrine lets you know if it's God or not. There's no doctrine that God inspired that's going to take you further from him. Put that in the comments. No doctrine God inspired is going to take you further from him. Put it in. There's no doctrine inspired by God that will take you further away from him. God wants you to be close to him. That's why anything we do in faith takes us closer to God. Draw near unto God and he'll draw near unto you. That's what the Bible says. Draw near unto God. He'll draw near unto you. He wants to be close to us and close with us. You see? And so I want you to catch this with me. When we obey, number one, when we obey the word of God to come together, the first benefit that online church doesn't give us is when we come together, there is a, uh, if you will, a manifestation or revelation of Christ. People say, well, well, brother, can't God manifest himself in my home? Of course he can. But do you understand that every Christian is at a different level of faith and maturity? Here's where people miss it because they talk about all Christians like we're all at the same highest level of faith and maturity. And let me tell you something. It is far from the truth. 
far from the truth. If you think every Christian in church is at the highest level of maturity and the highest level of faith, you have not been around the sheep because there's many different levels of maturity in the, in the house. There's many different levels of faith. So understand there are so many people that are not yet mature in Christ, not yet mature in faith. They need that help more than others do. Now me as a, as a minister, of course, this is my whole life. This is my calling. I don't have to go to church to get a healing. I don't have to go to church uh, to, to see the presence of the Holy Spirit manifested. But understand, I've given my whole life to this. I've been doing nothing but this since I was two weeks old. Left my mother's womb, traveled full time with my family until I left for Bible school. I was in revival services every night, heard the word of God every night been preaching the word of God almost every night since, you know, I mean, it's all I've done for my life. So you can't compare me or someone like me to a new believer or to someone that's been in church for a a year that had never, didn't grow up in a, a Christian home, hasn't been saved for more than a year. You can't compare the two and say, well, Christians can do it at home. They're not all the same. That's like saying every human can feed themselves the proper nutritious diet. Oh, really? Go find a three-year-old who knows how to cook himself a proper nutritious diet. Go find a five-year-old who knows how to prepare themselves a proper nutritious meal. No, you look at just my, my Brooklyn, my six-year-old. I want an ice pop. Can I have an ice pop? She will get 16 ice pops a day if you let her. She would get ice cream and ice pops and get a little snack out of the cupboard. That's all that she'd eat for the whole day if you let her. She's not going to say like, let me go. You know, I've never heard my six-year-old come to me and say, Dad, could I please uh, make myself some green beans and just a lean cut of chicken or salmon? I've never heard my children ask me if they could do that. However, Brooklyn is now asking to make bacon and eggs by herself, so she's advancing. But you understand what I mean. It's the same in the body of Christ. You're not going to have immature Christians or people that aren't strong in faith manifesting the presence of God. They can barely keep themselves from cussing at their husband or wife. You understand? It's like, get, help me out. Help me out. So you, you understand, it's not the same. It's not, well, we can manifest God's presence at home, brother. It ain't happening. I know we'd like to think it's happening. It ain't happening. And we need the church. Jesus said, come together, let the ministry gift that I have planted in your house minister to you. See, let him minister to you and let him perfect you in the faith. Let him equip you for what you're called to do. See, we need pastors. Remember this. We need pastors. We need apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers. Five-fold ministry gift that God set in the church. For what purpose? The perfecting of the saints. We need to be perfected. We need to grow. We need to be matured. We need to uh, be built up in faith. Well, how do we do that? We do it by sitting under the gifts that God's given us. I thank God for my pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas. I thank God for the pastor I had before him, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth. I thank God for the pastor that I had before him, Pastor Tim Shuttlesworth. And before that, it was my grandfather, Pastor A.E. Shuttlesworth. I thank God for the men that have pastored me in my life. I need it. I need it. We all need it. And staying out of the house is a mistake. Well, I can get it at home. Oh, sure you can. 
just like a six-year-old can make a nutritious diet for themselves every single day. It doesn't work and it doesn't happen. Christ said when we come together, he would manifest his presence. He's there in our midst and he will manifest his presence in our midst. That's number one. Number two, not only have we been commanded to come together in the house of God, but number two, the second thing that we don't get online church fails miserably is that we're commanded to come together and encourage one another. Catch that. We're to come together and encourage one another. Go with me to Hebrews 10, 25. Hebrews 10, 25. We're to come together, not just to be encouraged, but to encourage one another. I want you to write this in the comments section. I play a part. That's, that's all I want you to write. I play a part. This is huge. You play a massive part in the body of Christ. Paul made this distinction. Paul said, you know, there is no member of the body that's insignificant. The eyes can't say to the ears, I don't need you. You know, he went through every analogy. Can't say you don't need the parts of the body of Christ. You're important. Put it in the comments. I play a part. I play a part. Without question, you do. And Hebrews 10, 25 gives us a command. Listen to this now. It's a command. In fact, I'm going to start reading with verse 22. Actually, I'll start reading with verse 19. I'll read the whole context. 19 through 25. Listen. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, that's Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now look at verses 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Okay, so catch that right there. 24 is important. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together. Now you see, here's the command. And as is the habit of some, look, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day of the Lord drawing near. So we're not to neglect meeting together ever, ever. Why? I play a part. You play a part. Learning how are we supposed to uh, stir up one another, the Bible says, to love and good works and encourage one another. So there's three things in one. We're supposed to stir each other up in love, in good works, and to encourage one another. If the devil can separate us, if he can keep us isolated, we can't do those things. Well, brother, I do it in the comments section. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. It's not the same. Anybody that's watching me knows very well it's not the same. And let me tell you something. This is a time. This is one of those messages you want to share because this is something that if people don't get this, it's little things like this that destroy the strength of the body of Christ because something as little as staying away. And sadly, think about this. The average American now 
attends church, the Christian American attends church once every five weeks. Think about that. Once every five weeks. That's not faithfulness, man. That's not going to build you up. That's not you playing a part. That's people checking in a card like they're, like they're clocking in and clocking out of work. That's not faithfulness. Don't neglect meeting together. This is very important. What happens? We come together. We begin to encourage one another. We stir each other up in faith, stir each other up in love. (laughs) It's like the, the phrase you've probably heard before. None of us, they've used it in business, uh, for, for team building, you know, people say this, well, none of us is as smart as all of us, but let me go a step further than that. None of us is as strong as all of us. None of us is as strong as all of us. See what, what do you, what happens? You might have somebody come into the house of God that they've been battling all week long. They've been struggling all week long. They've been depressed. The enemies attacked their mind. They've had relationship issues. Maybe sicknesses attacked their body. They come into the house of God and they've got their brothers and sisters that meet them in the house of God, immediately coming with an encouraging word. Good to see you talking. Hey, listen, God's going to touch you. And I don't listen. Don't let that destroy your hope, destroy your peace, destroy your joy, destroy your faith. People that'll put their arms under yours and lift you back up to a place of faith and encouragement. That's what the body does for the body. That's what the body does for the body. I mean, think it's how God created your natural body. Did you ever think of that? It's how God created your natural body. I'm no doctor or medical expert, but I'm pretty sure if I remember basic uh, high school health class or biology, that if you have an issue in one part of your body, What does the body, am I, correct me if I'm wrong, but does the body not send white blood cells to fight that infection? Am I right in the booth? Anybody know? Well, let's just hope I know. Does the body not, Loenda could tell me, does the body not send white blood cells to fight that infection? You you know, think about it. If you hurt your finger, you got a cut and it begins to get infected. What does the body do? You know what the, you know what the rest of the body could do? You know, forget that. He's a finger. I'm not. I'm not a finger. I don't need to help another finger. I ain't a finger. You know, you, you body could be like that. God didn't design your human body to be like that. Isn't it interesting that if you got one part of your body that is struggling with a hurt, what happens? I'll tell you what happens. Other parts of your body send help to that part of the body. Did you ever think of that? Other parts of your body send help to that part of the body. That's exactly how we're to function. You got a member of the body that comes in hurt. You got a member of the body that comes in sick, comes in depressed, comes in broken. What should happen? Other parts of the body should come in and bring help to that part of the body. Hallelujah. Other parts of the body should send help to that part of the body. Amen. And that's what we do. And that's why we got to come together. We're not doing that from home. We're not doing that online. We're doing that together, together. I mean, they've proven, let me, let me say something that's natural. They have proven and shown already just when they, you can Google this study. They did a study with babies and um, they, they did a study where there were babies that they had, that they gave all proper nutrition, changed the diapers, did all the stuff they needed to do, but only did what was necessary for the baby to be healthy. 
But then the other group of babies, they held them, they rocked them, they sang to them, all that. And you go look at the differences of that study and the study will blow your mind with just the touch, the compassion, the love, the holding, the singing. You go look at that study. Maybe you've already read it. Some of you have already seen it. It's been years ago now. The babies that had not just the diapers changed and the proper uh, formula or milk given to them and, you know, all the proper cleaning and all that in the cribs, proper sleep. But the ones who had the love and the holding and the cuddling and the singing turned out far better in the study. There's something about physical connection that God created. It's what did God say about Adam? It's not good that man should be alone. So what did he do? He created a woman to be with the man. There's a reason that we have each other. It's to encourage one another, to build it up. And that's why I say other parts of the body come and they bring help and healing to the other part of the body. Thank you, Jesus. And that's what we're to do. That's number two. We have to come together. Why? To encourage one another and stir each other up to love and good works. Number three, third area where online church fails miserably is... In this area of ministering to those who need miracles, ministering to those who need miracles, we are commanded. Now go to the book of James, if you will, with me, James chapter five, we are told, and obviously we know this to be true, that there will be people in the body of Christ who need help. They need miracles. They need a touch from God. No question. We know that as I said a moment ago, not everybody's at the highest level of faith. Not everybody's at the highest level of maturity. We need help. And God sent the ministry gifts into the church to bring that help. And so I want you to see the third area where online church fails is we can't even obey the commands given to us for those who need help. James chapter five, I want you to see this with me. In James chapter five, and I'll start reading with verse 13, and we're going to read all the way through verse 15. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will will raise him up. And so if we don't even come together, how are we going to minister to those that are sick? What, what did you think? I mean, let me ask you, what do you think they were doing back then? Do you think they were calling into the church office on their phones in the early church? Do you think they were texting their pastor, shooting him a DM? Or do you think they were coming into the house of God as we see the, the actual picture given to us in the New Testament and the ministries or the ministries or the ministers were ministering to those that were sick. It's exact. We, you know, there, many of the times, if you look at the life of Jesus alone, there were only a couple of times in his whole ministry. We have record that he made house calls. There was only a couple, and they were severe moments. My daughter is at the point of death. J Iris, she's going to die. Then she died. Jesus was willing to make a house call to raise a dead girl. Lazarus, your friend is sick unto death. He's about to die. He died. Jesus was willing to make a house call to raise the dead. Understand, if you look through his ministry, 
The majority of Jesus healing ministry was not house calls or one-on-one coming to somebody's house. It was when they gathered together to meet him and to see him, just like Christians are commanded to do. They gathered together in multitudes. And the Bible says, and being moved by compassion, he healed them all. He healed them all. And so what, what was it? It was that picture of people coming together to the ministry gift and the ministry gift ministering healing. I mean, that's just called efficiency. <laughs> I mean, think about it. That's just straight up efficiency. God's not inefficient. You know how much time it would take? What if you pastored a church that had 800 people in it? You're going to make 800 house calls? You're going to make 400 house calls to minister to the sick? You're going to make 200 house calls in a week to minister? No. No, the pattern here is come into the house of God, petition the leaders or the elders of the church. They will anoint you with oil. They will pray the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. You can't do that online. I can't lay my hands on you online. One thing we can know from the ministry of Jesus is that when everything else isn't working, when the level of faith of others is not great enough for the spoken word to work, or for something else to work. One thing we see, even in a place that's filled with unbelief, the laying on of hands works, Mark chapter six. He went to Nazareth, they didn't believe him, but he could still lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. There is no virtual laying on of hands. We can send a word, we could mail you a prayer cloth, but there's no laying on of hands as commanded in James five through the internet. There's not, there is none. We're to come to church to receive miracles, to have hands laid upon us, have uh, to be anointed with oil. See, that's, that's commanded in the scripture. That is the pattern for the church. This is James. This is James. Is any sick among you? Let him call upon the elders. We'll anoint you with oil. We'll lay our hands on you and then you'll be healed. Can't do that online. Online church fails miserably in this aspect of ministry to God's people doesn't work. Number four, there is a corporate anointing. Now, maybe you've never seen this. Maybe you've never been taught this or you don't, you don't understand it. I'm going to break it down the very best I can for you. As I said a moment ago, none of us is as powerful as all of us. None of us is as powerful as all of us. You ever, you ever ask yourself the question, why, if, if all we need is just one person at any given time, why did Jesus send his disciples out in twos? Let that sink in. Why did Jesus send the disciples out in pairs? You know why? Because where any two of you shall agree touching anything, where, wherever, wherever any two of you agree, there's power and agreement. That's why. There's power and agreement. God never expected you to live through your whole Christian life on your own. Never, never. Even Jesus sent him out in twos. Amen. So understand this. When we come together, there's the power of the corporate anointing, the the agreement that's together, that we have together. And um, it enhances what we can do. Our corporate anointing. The Bible says one puts a thousand to flight, two puts ten thousand to flight. 
So understand when we gather together, that unity, that power of unity, it enhances what we can do. Let me read you Ecclesiastes chapter four and verse 12. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse 12. Let me go read 11 and 12. Actually, nine through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. You see that? And has not another to lift him up. Verse 11. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Now look at verse 12. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. This passage here, we're seeing the power of coming together with unity. One is not good. The Bible's saying here, two is better than one. And three is better than two. The more that we grow, and, and that was God's pattern in the early church, was it not? Was, it, was that not God's pattern? As you see every single day, read the book of Acts, and every day their numbers greatly increased. It was 3,000, then 5,000, then 7,000. Then the Bible says many multitudes. And then daily they were added to the church. God's system is increase and expansion. The more we have, the better we are together. Amen. Two is better than one. Three is better than two. And that's just how it works. When we come together with this corporate anointing. That's exactly how it works. So what I want you to catch today is this, when we come together, we are joining our faith together. That's important, by the way, that's extremely important. Did you know that God, I I touched on this, what was it yesterday when we were dealing with marriage, when God saw the unity of pagans in the book of Genesis who were building the tower of Babel, what did God say about the pagans who were walking in unity? He said, if I don't go down there, and confuse their languages, literally bring division to them, they will accomplish anything they set their heart to do. Think about that. If I don't go down there and confuse their languages, (laughs) God had to use division to stop their evil purpose. That's because unity brings strength. And when we come together in the body of Christ, we come together and in unity, And it expands us in strength and influence. Two is better than one. Three is better than two. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. Amen. If any two of you on earth shall agree in touching anything, it shall be done by my father, which is in heaven. Agreement, the power of agreement in faith and in prayer as we move forward together. Have to have it. We have to have it. You know, there's people that need agreement. They need that unity and faith. Their faith is not where it needs to be personally. So they need the agreement. Hey, could you just, you've had people say that to you. Hey, could you just pray with me? Hey, could you just agree with me that this would come to pass? I'm really, I'm really believing for this and I need some people to stand with me. Of course, I've been there. I've been there. Let me tell you who I call when I need people to stand with me. People that have faith. I don't call just anybody. I call people who have faith. And I say, listen, I need you to stand with me. 
I need you to stand with me because let me tell you something, devil's attacking. doesn't matter. If we have faith together, we can overcome anything by faith in the word of God. Holy ghost. It's number four. Number five, let me break this down for you. The fifth area where online church completely fails miserably is in the ordinances of the church. I'm going to explain that in the ordinances of the church completely fails, breaks down. Okay. So we've, we've determined and we know that there are commands that are given to us by God that we must obey. Attending church is one of them. What was the other that was given to believers? We just covered in James five, that if you're sick, you need a miracle call upon the elders of the church who will do what anoint you with oil. So anointing with oil could be considered one of the ordinances of the church. It's one of the ordinances. What do we do? If people are sick, we, we anoint them. We lay our hands on them. We're commanded to do that. Mark 16, they'll lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. James five. If you're sick, call the elders. They'll lay their hands on you. Anoint you with oil. You'll recover. Same thing. It's an ordinance. So there's one ordinance. Check it off. Anointing with oil, laying on of hands. Can't do that online. What's another one? The distribution of communion. They came together. Did they, let me ask you a question. Did they eat the last supper in their own home separately? Or did they come together as Jesus commanded them and said, gather together this, and then literally dealt them out the communion meal. This is my body. It's broken for you. This is my blood. Do as often as you eat in remembrance of me. See, they came together. The communion meal. That's an, by the way, communion, an ordinance of the church. I know many churches don't even do it anymore. Sadly, it's, they actually hold it in higher regard in the Roman Catholic church than in some Pentecostal churches. Communion meal. It's a powerful meal. It's something that Jesus gave us to do. Paul was still enforcing it in the church and rebuking people who looked at it like it was a natural meal. He said, you're coming in here and eating the communion meal like it's your dinner and you're eating so much you fill yourselves up and there's nothing left for the poor. He said, this is the reason you're weak and you die early is because you fail to discern the body of the Lord. And so Paul was still enforcing it. It was an important, it's still an important ordinance of the church. Communion meal. You cannot distribute the communion meal the way it was done in scripture, the way it was done in scripture. You know, I know that's true. Let me tell you how I know it's true. When you go read Paul's teaching on the the communion meal, you know what he said? Go look it up for yourself. He said this, he said, you come in here and you eat the communion meal like it's your dinner and you leave nothing for the poor. But then he said this, don't you have your own homes in which you can eat your meals? Look what he, so what was he saying? We've left our own homes and we've come into the house of God where we're taking part in the communion meal. So even in Paul's day, it was the same. They weren't eating the communion meal in their own home. They were coming together and doing it like Jesus did with his disciples in a gathering. It's an ordinance of the church. Check it off. The communion meal is to be done together in the house of God. That's the model we have from Jesus and from Paul. Let's go. Let's talk about another one. Baptism. How can you baptize people in water, which we're commanded to do? Check it off. Baptism. 
How can we baptize people in water as we're commanded to do? Those that believe and are baptized will be saved. If we don't gather together, what am I going to virtually baptize you in water? How do I do that? Do I get like a, a baptism emoji? Is there some sort of a baptism gif that I could put on the screen? So it's like a person going underwater and you have to simultaneously go underwater with the gif. Like how you can't virtually baptize somebody in water. It's foolishness. We're to come together for the ordinances of the church. This stuff's not optional. You think Jesus was flippant with his commands? You think God was flippant with his commands? You think the Holy Ghost was flippant in inspiring the scripture to give us these commands? No, this is from the Lord. It is from the Lord. We're to come together and have the laying on of hands, the anointing with oil, the communion meal, the baptism of those that are saints now, those that have come into the kingdom and are new creatures in Christ Jesus. These are, these things here are actually ordinances of the church. Amen. These are important things, extremely important things. You can't do them online. So listen, I'm, I'm just showing you Christ joins us when we gather. We encourage each other when we gather. Miracles take place when we gather. There's a corporate anointing that continues to increase when we gather. The ordinances of the church can only be done when we gather. See, this is the thing. It's not so much about the building, and I think you know that. Now, now from, the, from the standpoint of the Constitution, it is, but I'm talking about from the Scripture. The point of gathering together is that there is an interaction to be done with believers that God always intended, that God always brought about in his church to keep us in a place of strength, to keep us in a place of power. This is why I tell people, if your church is closed still, in the month that we're in, we started this back in March, and if your church is still, do you know there's churches that are big churches, dedicating babies? I mean, you know, but big churches, think about this that are what we would consider to be mega churches have announced already that they will not be reopening their churches until sometime in the first quarter or second quarter of 2021. What foolishness, what foolishness. Well, brother, you don't know what they're dealing with and you don't understand what's going on. Their own states have said they can open. <laughs> Listen to me. Their own state governments, they, 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 at this point, they would not even be going against the state mandate. The states have said they can open and they refuse to open and they remain closed and have already told us a month, two months ago, we won't even be opening our church till sometime at the end of the first quarter of 2021. That is just, that this is, I'm just telling you from what we just read in scripture, that's pure rebellion to the command of God, pure rebellion. As if you can determine when it's cool to go to church. Here's another stupid thing that I heard a pastor online say, and he was preaching it like it was revelation. He said, we ain't reopening this church until Jesus appears to me and tells me to open this church. Let me help you out with something genius. Jesus doesn't have to appear to you. He already commanded you in his word. Jesus doesn't have to recommand you to do something for you to do it. How about, since you're a pastor, open up the Bible once in a while and read the scripture. Jesus doesn't need to appear to you and tell you to reopen your church. 
You just open it because the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the custom of some. But as you see the day of the Lord approaching, gather all the more. Well, we're not open until 2021. We're not open until maybe, maybe the middle of 2021. I don't find a new church. My friends find a new church. There's a reason my cousin tweeted that this morning and I retweeted it because I believe it. And there's a reason you're shooting yourself in the foot. You know, all those months, pastors, it doesn't matter if we meet online or meet in a church, doesn't matter where we meet. And now they're all coming up with their, with their series. The reasons it's important to come together as a body of believers. Yeah. Cause you shot yourself in the foot and people got all used to staying home, got all used to watching by, you know, poolside. People got all used. That's, that's what happened. People got used to doing it in bed and staying in bed with their phone, half asleep on the dock, watching with online church on, thinking that they, they're, they're doing well because they put a couple comments in so you know they're there. It's not the same, man. And you can see, and I've talked to leaders who I love that have told me online church has caused even people who are leaders to pull back from the vision of the house of God. Well, when you're seeing that, you start to realize it's detrimental and then we're not talking about the fringe people. We're talking about leaders, people who hold leadership positions in the churches that are now pulling back their dedication because they got used to not going to church and it'll hurt. And that's why pastors are now, uh, smartly jumping back on and saying, Hey, it does matter. It does matter that we meet together and you better believe it does. It absolutely does. And my prayer, I don't want to see churches fail. I want to see churches thrive. I want to see churches go higher than they've ever been. I personally believe that these last four months are going to be the greatest we've ever seen. I believe that. My prayer for churches, for you, for me, for businesses, violent increase, expedited favor. Here's my prayer for churches that are opening up and churches that have stayed open. That we be so filled with new believers coming in the last four months that by the time we get to December, we won't have room in our buildings for the people that are coming in coming to Christ. That's my prayer. That's my confession. I'm standing on and believe in God that we'll see such an influx of souls that our buildings won't hold them in Jesus name. We'll see such an influx of business in our businesses that we'll have to hire new staff that we'll see such an influx of increase in our families that we'll start having tons of overflow going out to be a blessing to the generation. That's my belief. That's my prayer for you, for me, and for every church is that in these final four months of 2020, as God told us at the end of last year, we would see violent increase and expedited favor. Now that's what I'm going to pray here at the end of this broadcast. I'm going to pray for every person that's watching those that are listening on the podcast. I'm going to pray over you right now because I want you to feel this. I want you to feel the hunger for the house of God. I want you to have a hunger for the mighty house of God. We need our pastors. I thank God for my pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas, just a couple of days ago, turned 70 years old, been faithful. Think about this. What a blessing. 70 years old, 50 years in ministry, 70 years old, 50 years in ministry. What a blessing. I thank God for a man like that who has had the integrity. I mean, the devil tried to kill him. He was dead on a table. He was flatlined on a table and God brought him back to life. They thought he was gone. 
And then he heard the doctor say, get back in here. He's coming back. Devil tried to kill him, but he couldn't kill him. You can't kill a man with a vision and a purpose. And my pastor just turned 70 years old, celebrating 50 years of full-time ministry. I thank God for pastors. Thank God for mine. Thank God for my family members, my father, my uncles, those that are uh, giving their life in service of the Lord. It's powerful. We need our pastors. I want to pray at the end of this broadcast and podcast that God would put a hunger in your heart, a fire to be faithful to his house. Every time the doors are open, let me tell you, I am always in church. Listen, if anybody had a excuse to take time off of church, it would be me and my wife. We are always in church every single night preaching revivals. And I love it. And I come home preaching from revivals month after month after month. I can come home and be like, well, you know, I was just in church 60 times in the last 70 days. I think the Lord would understand if I just stayed home from this Wednesday night or stayed home from this Sunday morning. And I don't. You ask my pastors, you ask my wife, if I'm in town and the church is open Sunday morning, Wednesday night, who's there? I'm there on the front row, lifting my hands, worshiping the Lord, giving God praise, singing, receiving the word of God. I'm not skipping out. I don't need a break from church. I don't need a vacation from the house of God. I need more of God. And so do you. And so let's pray that God would give us a hunger. But number two, we're going to pray that we'll see explosion of growth, explosion of increase in these last four months. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every person watching and everyone listening that God would give every one of us a hunger and a fire to be faithful to the house of God, to the teaching of scripture, a desire to be taught, a desire to be corrected, a desire to receive instruction. Put a humble spirit in us, Lord. Take out any ounce of pride that might be in our hearts. Take out any ounce of, of haughtiness that would bring destruction. I pray, Lord, you'd put in us a meek and a humble spirit to want the word, to desire growth, to desire increase, to desire maturity, to desire to see increase in the kingdom of God. Make us on fire soul winners in these final moments of time. And we thank you that these last four months are going to be months of violent increase and expedited favor in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We give you glory. We give you honor and we give you praise in Jesus wonderful name. And everybody shout aloud. Amen. If you believe it, put some fire in the comment section. Let me know you believe it. Let me say this to you before we end this broadcast. And I've still got the, the faithful, the victory tribe on today. I'm so thankful that we're here in the brand new studio. God's doing it. I'm going to present something to you. I've never done this before and I don't ever really do it. Um, but I'm just going to give you some updates about where we're headed. You heard me say it. The doors are opening up. We're getting ready to hit TV on three continents, 80 plus million homes every single week. And everything you see in the studio, everything we have, everything here, all the gear, the building, Everything you have, everything that you see on the browser, whatever, everything was paid for cash. We have no debt. We will have no debt. We move forward debt-free. Thank you, Jesus, for that. We move forward debt-free. There are some, uh, a couple pieces of gear that we're getting ready to purchase uh, for the ministry uh, before we make this transition to going on television every single week around the world. And I thank God for our partners, too, because you play a massive part 
in standing with us as we see God move and touch this generation. And so I'm going to present this to you because I believe God will lay it on a few people's heart. We'll knock it out in literally a couple of days. It's already done and, uh, and move forward ready for the broadcast for television. A couple pieces yet we're going to buy for the studio. And so I want to encourage you. It's probably going to be about, it's not even that much, maybe seven, $8,000. We have a couple of uh, stuff for another camera we need for broadcast for television, a couple pieces to record the television broadcast. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to sew into that so we can touch the world. Realize we're going to be all over the entire continent of Africa, all through the UK, the US, and then we're moving to the Caribbean islands and then out of Pakistan to a hundred and some nations of the world. And so literally God's going to use us as the victory tribe to touch the world. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity because this is what we're doing moving forward. The next purchases are going to set us up to be on television around the world. This camera, some recording equipment, a couple of decks that we have to rack in the back to make some recordings. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to sew into that. It's going to be about seven, $8,000, I believe, to do all that we need to do before we take this next step. So let me encourage you. I'm asking for people that would pray and say, Lord, what could I do to stand with them as they're moving forward into this next phase to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And whatever the Lord tells you to do, I want to encourage you to do it. We're believing that God would send partners to stand with us at $85 a month. But here's what we're going to do, because I want to knock this out quickly. There's people God would speak to you and, and you could do it without even breaking a sweat. I'm asking if people would be willing to sow $1,000, $1,000 seed as we're moving forward into this next stage of this vision to see the world touched with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm asking people that are willing to sow a $1,000 seed to do that today. I'm getting ready to leave and head out for the whole month of September, preaching revivals. I've asked you to come and be a part. I want to see you there. I want to join with you, meet you in person. Um, not in a creepy way, in a good way, but we're getting ready to hit for September, four different revival meetings. We're pressing forward. Can I tell you the time of quarantine pandemic has been the best time of this ministry has ever seen. Everything's increased. As you see, everything's grown. When everything else was locking down, God kept us growing and he never will stop. That's the, that's the kind of faith we have. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. No matter what you can do, we say, thank you. But there are those watching me or listening that without breaking a sweat, you could sow a thousand, $2,500, $5,000 seed, whatever you can do, whatever you can do, take a step of faith and do it. For those that are sowing a thousand dollars or more in this project that we're believing God before we go live. And it's not even that large of a project, to be honest with you, $8,000 is nothing. We could clean that out in 10 minutes. We're going to do this. Not only are we going to send you this month, my pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas, uh, book, Speak to the Void, which is a powerful, powerful book about how your faith creates in the scene something from the unseen. You've got to speak to the invisible and watch it manifest. This is going to be our gift to you in the month of September. Everybody that's sowing a seed of $85 or more, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer to get your copy. But on top of that, for those that are standing with us to sow largely, Here's what I want you to do. As you sow that seed, I want to send you two more gifts on top of that. Number one, my brand new book in a hardcover edition, special edition, further faster on the power of impartation. And then on top of that, genuine leather life application study Bible, the greatest study resource uh, as far as sales go in the United States, number one selling study Bible there is. This is a genuine leather edition, which is what we're going to send you. 
Those three things are my gift to you this month as you're standing with us to expand and touch the world. Imagine this, from where you sit at home, without ever leaving, without ever going on a trip, getting on a plane, you can touch the world from your house. Because when you sow, you go. When you sow, you go. And so here's here's what I want to encourage you to do. Go to miracleword.com and right there on that website, you can click the give page and you can fill out the form. You can create an account. You can sow a one-time seed. You can set it up to partner monthly, sow a monthly seed and you can sow. It's the easiest. Yep. I sign all the further fasters. Marissa, we just sent yours and John's out today, by the way. I sent, I signed your further faster and I signed your Bible as well to say, thank you for partnering with us. We love you guys. Um, but if you're in the U S you can use cash app or Venmo or even PayPal. And then of course, if you're on Facebook or Periscope, Twitter, you can put hashtag donate in the comments section. And uh, so any of those ways, if you are one of those who likes to mail a check so that, uh, you know, it takes, you know, nine weeks for us to receive a seed, you can go to miracleword.com and at the footer of every page is our mailing address and uh, you'll find it there and you can mail a check if that's the way you like to sew much quicker to use the website. And uh, I say a big thank you to everybody that's standing with us in the month of September. Listen, we're moving forward. We have no needs. We have no debt. God's doing it all. I'm giving you an opportunity because you're going to be blessed. You are going to be blessed. And it's amazing to see. We get testimonies all the time. I want to find a way to publish these so you guys can read more. I've been putting them on social media and stuff. But one of the ones I recently posted came in from a friend of ours. I just want to read it to you because this stirred me up. Listen to this testimony quickly on giving. Uh, It was written, there there was a, a time when my wife and I would have to walk through the grocery store with our calculator open on our phone so that we didn't spend more than we had in our account on food. And then my wife would have to ask me for permission to put gas in her vehicle and, and how much she could even put in her vehicle. And I know I've told you many times, but I can't express to you how grateful we are for the things you've taught us. This week, listen to this testimony, this week we've taken in over $10,000 in one week. God has truly brought us to a completely new level in life. We love you very much. Supernatural. Listen to this one that came in from a friend of ours. Tell evangelist Ted that after we sowed that $1,000 this week, I made almost $40,000 in four days. I made $17,000 in one day. And that, that's not me. That's the Lord. He brings the increase. I'm believing the very same is going to be true for you as well as you sow. Thank you for standing with us. By the way, starting tomorrow night, I'm going to be in Ontario, Ohio at Abundant Life Church, uh, Friday through Sunday. All the details are on the website. Then the week after that, we're going to be in Billings, Montana, uh, for Sunday through Wednesday, all the details on the site. After that, Evansville, Indiana for a week at Connection Church. And finally, Botkins, Ohio is right after Connection Church. So four opportunities for us to get together in person and have revival this month. Love to see you guys. We've got people coming to see us in Ontario, people coming to Evansville, people coming to Montana, people coming to Botkins. I want to see you guys. It's the best time to travel that ever was. Uh, 
flights are cheap, hotels are cheap because nobody wants to travel. We're moving forward and it's exciting. By the way, new kids mission for the month of September is out. You can download it for free. It's prayer, talking to your heavenly father. We're teaching your children about the power of prayer through the entire month and uh, all kinds of awesome free resources for them to download. Go to miraclewordkids.com and uh, you can get that as well as subscribe to the new Miracle Word Kids vlog on YouTube. And my daughter and uh, my other daughter and my son, they're putting out a video every single week for your kids and you can subscribe and watch the videos on YouTube. They're also on Kids YouTube. Uh, new episodes every single week. Search MiracleWordKids.com or search Miracle Word Kids vlog on YouTube and subscribe. And uh, I know it'll be a gr great blessing to you. We love you guys so much, man. Thank you for hanging with us. Love you. And we'll see you again tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Have a powerful day. We'll talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.